religion like nobody else. Okay. Financial empowerment, giving you strategies for generational wealth. So you can start helping yourself. More money for you to be getting. This the moment for you to be winning and be living financially independent. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Market Hustle podcast episode. We are on episode number five. We are just rolling through these, crushing through these, just a little over a month in, and they have been a bunch of fun. That being said, today I have both co-hosts back for this episode. We have Bafi and Pierce here to join us on this episode five. Uh, Bafi, welcome back. How are you doing today? Doing better than good. Yeah, that's yeah. something you don't hear every day, you know? Like, sometimes I'm at work and I'm like, yeah, people, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing better than good. I'm like, they're like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing great. Can't complain. Life is good. Making difference out here. And it's just exciting to be back co-hosting with Josh and Pierce. And we're super excited for our guest today. This is one I'm looking forward to because many of us can relate to the story. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you back. And then Pierce, how about yourself? How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well today, man. Just got off work a little bit ago, but I'm excited to hit this podcast and I'm glad everyone's back in connection. So I'm just excited. Can't just wait. Completely agree. Thanks. Great to hear. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one. It's been uh, getting cold here over at Washington and my my end of the world. Uh, you know, that, that winter weather is starting to kick back in. So we got the heater rolling, <laughs> trying to stay warm. Uh, that being said, yeah, we have a very special guest today, um, Caleb. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome officially to the Market Hustle podcast. How are you doing today, Caleb? Thanks for having me. No, I'm um, happy to be here. And yeah, like you said, it's starting to get to actual fall weather. So always, always good to be in that season. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it's great. Good to hear. And where are you located, by the way, if you don't mind us asking? Yeah, so I'm currently in Tulsa. Um, I recently moved down here as part of the Tulsa Remote Program, which we can get into later. But I'm originally from Minnesota, so oh, it's okay. weird. With uh, you know, a week ago it was like 85, and that's just does not compete with my brain from Minnesota. So I'm happy it's kind of cooler <laughs> now. Oh yeah, I can imagine Minnesota gets pretty cold too around this time, doesn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, they're supposed to get snow I think tonight. So that's wow. that's nuts. <laughs> Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast. And, you know, your story, I, I know you reached out to me. Um, we've been kind of going back and forth a little bit uh, for a little bit of time. And your story really caught my eye just because kind of like what Bafi touched on, I think a lot of people are going to be able to um, relate to it to one way or another. Um, you have a pretty inspirational story, especially at a younger age. You're 25, right? Yes, I am. Okay. And you've accomplished quite a bit. You know, you've you've shown your financial resiliency, which is... Uh, incredible at, at such a young age. Not that I'm not that I'm much, you know, older than you. I'm 27. So, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's really cool to see people that are kind of in my age group, like making those those monstrous financial moves that are bettering their financial life and their financial future. Uh, so that being said, why don't you just give us a little bit more background of like just your journey? I guess if you had to give us like a 60 second explanation of kind of like how you started your journey and then how you've gotten to like where you are today. Yeah, so I would say it probably starts uh, with my family, my parents. Um, you know, from a young age, they were good role models um, of just, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see it, you know, as a, as a kid, but looking back on it, they were they were definitely a good a good role model for me and 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 for my brother as well. Um, and then, you know, after that, I'd say it really comes down to I did a lot of reading, um, really like reading, so that was obviously very beneficial um, for the learning aspect of it. But then, I mean, quite honestly, I, it, I just went and did it, right? There's so many things in life where you really just can't truly learn them until you do them. And so, you know, just logging in, creating the brokerage account, creating the bank account, doing the first trade, you know, doing your taxes the first year, like you just learn so much by just doing it. So I would say it's, you know, it really just started with uh, my family and then, I uh, continued with me taking it on with, with reading and learning more about myself and then just putting in the work and doing it. That's incredible. And how much do you currently have invested right now? So I just hit uh, in my investment accounts a little over 50K. 50K. Wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> huge milestone. And I nice. think you also, you also told me, Caleb, uh, before we like in a little summary, um, you were talking about you paid off a lot of debt as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So um, 
I graduated from college, University of St. Thomas. It's a private liberal arts college in Minnesota. Um, and I went there, originally started pre-med, and then pivoted to um, economics and political science. So um, I came in with some credits, but I ended up kind of, quote-unquote, wasting them a little bit with uh, the time it took to discover my major. Um, but yeah, so I, I graduated with some debt. Um, I was fortunate to go through the the bank of my parents, so I had a preferential intro- yep. interest rate on it, but I still had uh, graduated with quite a bit of debt. And, you know, my plan, you know, going into the last two years of college was to try and find some place where I could live from home for a year or two after college and try and pay some of it off. Um, so COVID kind of conveniently, inconveniently happened around that time and kind of forced that upon me anyway. But um, yeah, back in June, I, I officially all paid off my student loans. So it's a big milestone for sure. Wow. That's incredible, man. I mean, when I heard that, you know, you've accomplished, this is something I was so impressed because, you know, what you have accomplished takes so much discipline, focus to pull off, right? And the delayed gratification along with that. And you've paid off what? I believe is what, 55? Correct. Right? Yeah. $55,000 of student loan in three years. And this is something that many people dream of. So especially especially now with student loan repayment, right? Resuming this month, October, 2023. Tell us a little bit more about how you pulled that off and, and you know, the practical steps you took to accomplish such a huge milestone. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things I've learned through investing is there's times when it makes sense to focus on the end goal and focus on the big numbers, and there's other times where it doesn't, right? And when you're looking at debt repayment, that's one of those times where, to me, it, you do yourself a disservice by focusing on the big number. You know, it's huge. It doesn't seem possible when you're just doing the, you know, $500 here, $100 here, $50 there. It hardly looks like you're making any impact, right? So by just getting into a mindset of you're just going to consistently allocate an amount, you're not going to look at it. You're just going to trust the process, you know, give it the time that you need to. And, and you know, originally my goal wasn't to pay it off as 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 quickly as I did, I was able to do it ahead of schedule given um, living at home um, and then um, some success at work along the way. But, um, you know, it really is just about getting in a habit and just starting, right? If, if you don't start, you're never going to make the process. So, so just start, be consistent with it. And if, if you can, you know, eventually add to it. And before you know it, you'll be amazed at the progress you can make. Wow. That's amazing, man. Because like, I know that's something that I can relate to because when I graduated, um, I had a quite a bit of student loan debt, roughly twice as much as you had. <laughs> so I, I can see some similarities in some of the things that you just mentioned and, and focusing on the day-to-day one payment at a time, not getting too hung up on the large number because then it's, it's tough to kind of swallow that pill. Right. Um, so I had to pay roughly hundred K in three years as well. And many people dream of accomplishing such feat. And many people feel like it's almost impossible, right? But your story, you know, what I've experienced and Josh and, and, and Piers, all of us, we encourage and try to guide people in, in making these things winnable, you know? So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, that's really impressive. It's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and even just to kind of top it off, like, I think a lot of people do get intimidated by that initial number, right? Like, especially if it's large, like if you see $40,000, $50,000 that you owe in debts, like that gets super intimidating for a lot of people. And I would say like half the battle is just actually getting started, kind of like what you were touching on, Caleb. Like that's probably the hardest part is to convince yourself that it's actually possible to make progress on paying down that debt. Because until you start to get that ball rolling, nothing's going to occur, right? Like that that big pile of debt is going to kind of sit there on the sidelines, um, and actually continue to grow bigger now that student loan interest is kind of kicking back in, you know, at, at least during the past few years, it wasn't growing bigger if you decided not to pay it and just kind of delay it all. But now that interest is kind of starting to accumulate again um, on the student loan debt specifically, that that debt is only going to get bigger if you continue to delay making progress on that. But just debt in general, like I, I think it is hard to get into that mindset of like, you know, yes, it's big right now, but if I start making small punches at it, if you will, it's going to start making progress down the road. Like it's going to take time to see that progress, but you know, half the battle is just kind of convincing yourself that it's possible to actually make progress at paying it down. So what strategies did you kind of implement, Caleb, when you were kind of staring that debts 
uh, eye to eye? Like, was there some sort of debt repayment strategy that you followed? Did you kind of run the numbers through like an Excel spreadsheet? Or did you just kind of start convinced? Did you just kind of make a a pact to yourself saying, I'm going to pay off as pay off this debt as fast as possible and as much as I can pay off um, until it's gone. Like what was your kind of like philosophy around that debt payoff? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, well, so the first thing is, is it wasn't the first time that I had a lot of, well, not a lot of debt, but the, it wasn't my first experience with debt. Um, back when I was in sixth grade, I really wanted a MacBook computer, right? I really wanted that. Um, everyone else wanted an iPod Touch. I wanted a computer because I wanted to be able to do all of the other things you can do with a computer. You know, I wanted to make make um, you know iMovie stuff. I wanted to go on GarageBand. I, I wanted to do all of that stuff, right? And so I convinced my parents to let me to give me a loan to buy a MacBook computer. So, you know, it was great for the first you know month, two months, three months, and then. When I was doing, you know, I was mowing lawns and I was pretty much my only source of income. And it was like, man, I'm going to be mowing lawns a lot, a really long time. I got to, I got to move out of Minnesota so I can have a longer growing season or something. Cause it, it was just, you know, it was just, it took forever. Right. Um, but, you know, at the time I didn't really realize it, but it, it taught me that I don't want to be in debt. Right. I don't want to have, because then there, there, you know, I was in sixth grade. So then all of a sudden you get to seventh and eighth grade and there's stuff you want to do. And it's like, my money's still going to this stupid computer. Right. I like, it was great. I loved it and, and everything, but that kind of taught me that I don't want to be in debt and having to have that hang over my head and cause me to not be able to do things I want to do later on. Right. Um, and so that kind of, um, was the mindset that I was approaching with, with this, uh, paying off college. Um, but it also comes down to some of the education I did for myself um, in the summer between my sophomore year and junior year of college. So it was uh, 2018, and I just made it a goal for myself that I wanted to learn how to invest and how to manage my money. Um, I had, like I said, I'm really into reading. Um, I, I was at the time reading a book series by Tom Clancy, the Jack Ryan series. I don't know if anyone's watched the Amazon show or heard of that, but there's a book called Debt of Honor. And it's basically about um, a Japanese businessman who uses computerized trading algorithms to take down the US stock market. Right. And like at the time I didn't really know much about financial markets um, or anything like that. But it was it was always something that fascinated me of you know how they work. Everyone's talking about them. They're always on the news, but what does that actually mean for the average person? Right. And I figured that it would be a good time for me to learn about personal finance because I didn't really have a ton of money as a college student. And so I figured if I messed up, I'd have two years to figure it out before I actually got a job and like actually had real money. Um, and so, and you know, that winter of 2017, that was when Bitcoin first went crazy and it went to like $20,000. <laughs> and so everyone was talking about that. And I was like, man, I got to figure this out. Like, I feel like I'm missing out on something, you know? <laughs> Um, so I really just spent that summer just, um, doing a bunch of reading, um, opening up, uh, trying a couple of different investment things out. I tried acorns out for, you know, that was the first thing I heard about, tried that out and figured out I wanted to be a little bit more hands-on and didn't like paying the fees. So I tried Robin hood out, um, and, and a couple of others, but yeah, it, it, it kind of just started with, um, with understanding that I didn't want to be in debt and then turning that into a desire to educate myself. So I would be prepared when I actually did have money and had to do it for myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, like if, if that early journey of yours, like going through, like at your younger ages, like paying off that, that MacBook debt, like that probably gave you the philosophy that you have control over your, your financial situation, right? Like that early win in your life, is probably what kind of helped you feel in control of your finances. And like, I think that's why, I mean, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak on behalf of parents, but I think that's a powerful like lesson to try to teach like your kids at like a younger age is like trying to show that they have the power to like kind of get what they want, but also stay in control of their financial situation. Like, so would you say that early lesson has kind of deeply helped you 
feel more in control of your finances, especially when it comes to now you're trying to pivot or now you have pivoted into the investing world. Like, do you think a lot of those early wins of conquering debt has helped you stay more disciplined in the investing realm? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say, um, you know, at sixth grade, I can't say that that inspired me for you know, <laughs> for life or anything. I was still only in sixth grade. I, I hardly remember anything, quite honestly. But it was more of just it, it got me thinking about what that feeling was like. And, um, you know, importantly, it, it was an example of, of my parents being there to, you know, they probably won't acknowledge it, but I'm willing to bet that they they deliberately kind of gave me that loan, knowing that it would be painful to pay it off mm-hmm. in order to kind of teach me that, you know, later on, right? Um, and, you know, it's it's a good thing. And, and, and quite honestly, like, even just going to college, right? Like, I still didn't really comprehend the amount of money that college was, right? And I don't think it's realistic for us to expect any 18-year-old to really understand that. Um, I, I think it's kind of just a box that people automatically check of like, oh, I'm going to college because that's what people do and, you know, whatever. When, you know, if if you don't know what you want to do, there's really, you're not doing yourself a service of going and just wasting a year or two years figuring it out, right? Um, and there's other options too, like technical school and just again there's it's it's something where i'm very happy that i decided to go to college but i think in our society we just paint unrealistic expectation that everyone needs to go to college and everyone needs to get into this huge amount of debt when oftentimes the payoff's just not there right like my mom's an elementary school teacher just recently retired and i mean she'd be the first to tell you that she loves teaching and she wished more people wanted to teaching, but just financially and with where, where we're at as a society, we don't value teachers. And it's it's not a career that makes sense for a lot of people right now, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a touchy topic. It's just, I don't see people really focusing on it. You know, you hear about stuff like teachers have to pay for their own notebooks and crayons and just school supplies and stuff like that. And I mean, if you look at it, you know, here, I, I live in Southern California. And so the cost of living is pretty absurd. I mean, I think the poverty line is like $82,000 where I live. And so it, it's kind of an unrealistic amount. And so if you look at the, what like an elementary school teacher is making, 55, 60 grand a year. And so you have to expect her paying for her house, everything in her life. And then on additional is paying for stuff that they should otherwise be subsidized for, for, you know, they should be, the cost should be covered in other ways. And I think like, if you look at it, the student loan, I think is $1.75 trillion. And so if you can reallocate just some money to focus more towards things that are necessities and like, you know, obviously loans can have, you know, they have time limits and stuff like that. But I think, you know, teachers need to be paid more for crayons and notebooks and just simple things like that post-it notes yeah. stuff like that, yeah. that that's spot on you know I, I i also think you know we have a really interesting opportunity in this time period as we went from you know covid shutting everything down really kind of challenging all our perspectives on life and our you know career paths and just hey what is the ideal best way to move forward and create a healthy environment and the education piece is massive, right? Because not everybody has the luxury to be able to afford to go to school because they have the, the financial resources of the family habit, but many of us do have to end up going through student loans. So I think, you know, as the world is shifting quickly and demand in the workforce is shifting quickly, I think is many of us, especially the younger ones that are looking to go to college or get certain licenses or certifications, I think it's very important that you do spend a little bit of time to research not just what you want to do, but also when you finish at the end of the road, hey, what is the job security like? What is the income levels going to be like? And how can you really scale that to also allow that income to help you pay off some of the some of the debt, be able to invest early and often, also live life at the same time. So you kind of have a pretty healthy blend of, of life all around, because I'll be the first to admit when I first went to college, I had no clue what the hell I was in there to do. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so it took it took me quite a long time, many years to figure it out. But I think, you know, the, the more we share our stories, the more we encourage others and also, you know, 
be transparent and honest, it can help a lot of these younger generations pick career paths that's really going to allow them to live and contribute to society on a higher level. And also some of us that might be older that might be thinking, oh, my God, I might need to pivot. I went this route, but that's not really what I need to do. It's okay to also make some adjustments and, and reinvent yourself until you figure it out. That's a great point. I think that's that's something you know that a lot of people lose, right? They 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 lock themselves into one thing, right? I went for this major or this is the career I started in and like you ha- give yourself a year, you can be in a completely different industry, right? You you can be you could go get an associate degree. You could go get, you know, whatever, right? And maybe you don't know what you want to do in college, but then focus on equipping yourself with skills that are allow you to adapt, right? Focus on maybe you're going to focus on your people skills. You're going to get great at at writing and public speaking and working with other people and be a right, really good facilitator, regardless of which area you end up doing in that. You know, maybe it's it's technical. Maybe you're going to really focus on your math and your science and you know whatever, whether it's engineering or computer science, whatever it ends up being, you just have that solid background there. So that's definitely agree with the flexibility and the ability to reinvent yourself is is easier than it's ever been. Yeah. Caleb, and while we're on the while we're on the the college subject, you know, obviously you 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 majored in a very uh important area, which obviously everybody now is becoming more conscious and more aware of how important the economy and some of these things, you know, influence our, our livelihood. What are some of the challenges that you face right out of college in terms of, okay, you're done with school, you're making a transition into the workforce. What are some of the challenges in the adjustment period? Because I've noticed that, especially now, a lot of younger people coming out of school have a difficult time adjusting to the new demand, the new work environment, the challenges they're facing there, trying to balance their life out at the same time. So what would you say would be like, you know, two to three tips that helped you really transition well into that, quote unquote, adulting life that has been coined to be? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for the question. Um, you know, I was very fortunate, right? I was able to go home, um, which was weird. It felt, I, I finished my last semester of college at home. It felt like I was back in high school. Um, <laughs> but I was able to go home and I didn't really have to worry about the living situation, right? Like people that I, I knew, friends that had to move out during that time. Right. So COVID, everything shut down and you're having to try and move out. Right. Like that. I, I couldn't imagine what that was like, um, let alone starting a new job on top of that. Um, but so, you know, it's it's I can't speak to that part doing all that at the same time. But um, just going into a new job, you know, especially with. So I started completely remote. I'm a completely remote worker. Um and it wasn't supposed to be that way, but COVID just made it that way. Um, and so one of the challenges was just how do you meet people, right? Because you're just, you know, you're a new employee and you don't know anybody in the company. And now everyone's remote. And so they don't know anybody. And so they're just falling back on the people that they already know because it was new to them too. It was new to everybody, right? So, I mean, I was fortunate to get paired up with a, a mentor that, um, you know, she was, she was great. Um, included me in things and 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 reached out if I had questions. But you know, if you're not in that situation, I would say just just reach out to people, right? Ask questions. Um, one of the things that was told to me when I first started was just try it first, right? No question is a stupid tr- question, but you have to try yourself first, right? So if you like, um, I, so I'm a product analyst, um, and a lot of the initial learning was around um, just working in a tech company and specifically using SQL because I'd never I'd never used SQL before. Completely new to me. Um, I did not have ChatGDP at the time, which would have been immensely helpful. Um, missed it by like two and a half years, but um, you know, a lot of it was just like someone would post some Excel spreadsheet, and it would be it'd be taking the time to respond to their email and be like. Where'd you get that data from? Would you mind sharing the query with me? Would you mind walking me through it? Right. Um, so, you know, just just asking the questions, being willing to try something first, and then raising your hand. Right. If there's a if there's um, if there's a way that you can see that you can make someone else's life easier, whether it be your boss, whether it be a coworker, if there's something that you could do to take time off their plate, um, 
they're going to be, they're going to appreciate you and, and they're, they're going to see you doing that. And then it's going to free them up to have more time to maybe engage with you more. Right. Or, or you're going to have a better connection with that person. They're going to be the person that they think of next time they have something that they need to come to somebody with. Um, so that would, that would be the, the things that I would recommend. I, I love that perspective. First off, I mean, you touched on quite a bit right there, you know, and I, I think a lot of college students have that difficulty of transitioning from the college world to the corporate world, um, or just not even the corporate world, they're just trying to figure out what they want to do. Like maybe they don't want to go the corporate route, they want to start their own business. Like there's so many options available to you right out of the gate when you're out of college. And the thing is, like a lot of people don't end up going to a job that like actually complements their degree. Like they end up going like a completely different route, which is fine. Cause like the whole point of college is to kind of give you that foundational skill, if you will. Um, but I, I love your approach to it, Caleb. I mean, I, I think it's important for a lot of people to kind of build your own brand. So like by reaching out to people, showing that you're actually willing to learn, like showing that effort, that initiative, um, because that, that initiative can't be taught. Like you can't teach somebody to have the initiative or the desire to learn in college. Like that has to come internally. So if you naturally have that, um, especially right out of college, like use that to your advantage, right? Like go out there and ask these, these people who are smarter than you, like how they did it, how they went about uh, building their own skill set or how they, how, how you could potentially build your own skill set. Because a lot of those people, like you might kind of seem like you might think you're being annoying, which to some people, maybe you are, but to a lot of them, like they're going to, they're going to feel like they're, they're going to want to help you. Like it, it, when they see somebody, some younger person who just got out of college and they're ambitious to learn, like a lot of those people were in your shoes, like maybe five years ago, 10 years ago. And like, they know what it's like. And so if they see you having that, that desire to actually take the initiative to learn and to kind of go over what's expected than you from you, um, they're going to, they're going to help you in some way, right? 99% of the time. I mean, sure, there's going to be exceptions where people don't, but you know, it's, it's kind of a numbers game. Like you just kind of have to be helpful to everybody. Somebody's going to get, you're going to get on somebody's radar and their odds are they're going to help you out throughout your, uh, throughout your career. Um, especially if you're at a, a bigger organization where there's, where it's, things are kind of confusing. So really cool to kind of hear your, your perspective on how you went about it, Caleb. Um, and I think a lot of people like that's, that's valuable information for people who maybe are about to graduate or recently graduated. Um, and, you know, we have to be fair as well, because like, of course, everybody graduates from different situations. And I'm sure, you know, it's, I always say like, this is what, this has kind of been my philosophy as I've gone through my twenties. Like it's all trial and error. Like you just kind of have to go out there, try things. Like you're going to, you're not going to know what you're really good at or like what you're meant to do until you actually go try things out. Right. And like maybe your first two jobs, your first three jobs, or even your first four jobs aren't a, a, an exact fit. And that's fine. Like you're going to be learning what is a fit and what isn't a fit, which is a valuable skill to learn or a valuable thing to learn right out of college. So like, even though, you know, you might be going through that awkward phase of like trying to fit into the world um, or just trying to figure out where you kind of can add value to the world to actually get money in exchange for what value you're providing. Like that could take years, if not even a few decades to actually figure out, but you just got to keep moving forward. Like that's, that's ultimately the best route to go about it. And like, of course, yes, it's going to be difficult for other people, but I think going in with that philosophy is going to do you wonders as you kind of go throughout your career and just life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, I think Caleb touched on something very important that oftentimes is kind of easy to look at as almost trivial or just like basic, but it's really at the top of demand and food chain right now, not just in corporate America, but just in all industries and all entrepreneurships, uh, entrepreneurs as well. And that is that human connection and interaction, right? How essential that is to just all progress and collaboration and providing value. You know, like you mentioned, you're like, hey, I've been working remote because of COVID. How do you connect in, with people, right? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, this is how things are. And it's like, how do you create that that deep level human connection as you collaborate, problem solve, see each other's similarities and differences and kind of massage through all of that. That is extremely important. So I'm glad that you had the mentor to, you know, put you in position and environments that foster the growth and that aspect of it. Because many, many people have a difficult time really connecting and, and also speaking up, right? Because people are afraid of sometimes they might say the wrong thing or how people will perceive and receive information and you know, intentions can be lost throughout that communication. But I think the, one of the most beautiful things we have is that we have this incredible freedom of speech, incredible ability to respect each other's differences, perspectives, thoughts, at least hear it on the table, see things from multiple angles, and then work together to figure out, okay, how do we really 
problem solve as a team. So that is something that is in high demand. And I highly recommend for everybody that's watching this podcast, tuning in is to continue working on your people skills. It's, it's difficult to do public speaking and it's scary. And you're like, oh my God, I sound stupid to myself. But <laughs> it is something that will pay off for the rest of your life, not just for your career, but in your family dynamics. That is massive. So definitely, I encourage everybody to hone in on those skills because that's something I practice all the time, especially at work. I'm like, put me in front of something. I'll try. I don't care. I don't mind looking stupid. You have to kind of enjoy that process like that, you know? So thank you for sharing that. That was big. Very well said. Oh, I, I agree with, with both of what you guys said too. That was that was a great uh, great follow up. Um, and you know it's weird too, right? Because um, you know they still had an office in, in Minneapolis, right? So when stuff started reopening, we would go in every once in a while, and it was like seeing people in person that you've been working with for like a year or two. It was like I thought you were way taller, or I thought you were way shorter, or like um, or, or it just and just like just being in person with people was like, wow, I didn't realize I was working with like, you know, X VP or X whatever manager. And it's like, it just seems so much easier to remotely just talking to people. I feel like if you're in a meeting versus in person. And so sometimes it was also like, no, like I, I do deserve to be here. Even though it feels weird being in person in the office, like I had been working with these people and it shouldn't feel any different just because we're in person. now. So, um, Oh, that was also uh, interesting too. Yeah, there, there, that's a that's an interesting point. Just that intimidation factor that I feel like a lot of people run into. Like, especially if you're just like brand new to the corporate world, you start working or you, you see like the VP or whatever. Like, it's it's easy to forget that they're human and that it's you know you could have like a regular conversation with them. You know, they're just like you. It, not you know, of course they have better skills potentially because they've they've honed them in over the decades that they've worked there. But at the end of the day, like they're still human. So like if you show the desire to learn, or you, you talk to them like at a human level, like, Hey, like, I'm just trying to learn, you know, a lot of the times, like they will be receptive to that, you know, cause they're not robots. I mean, at least not all of them. Maybe there are some of them that are robots nowadays, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never know a chat GPT in it, but you know, I, I think that's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, it's, it's, it is easy to kind of get intimidated as somebody who's brand new, especially if you don't really have connections in organization. Uh, but I, I like I like your approach to it all, and, and maybe it did kind of make it easier working from home because like it's easier just kind of like text you know chat everybody up uh, you know who who is willing to kind of listen to you, and it's easier to kind of communicate that way than when you are in person. It is kind of a different dynamic. It does maybe get a little bit more intimidating, um, especially if they're wearing the suits. You know, they got the big suits on, they got the tie on, then you know that that alone there is like some psychological aspects of that that can make it intimidating. But I, I think nonetheless, like keeping at the forefront, like a reminder in your head that they are still human um, is is always a good reminder, no matter what type of title they have or, or who they are, because at the end of the day, we are all still human. And we, and we, we have, we all have fears. We all have challenges that we're, we're currently going through. Uh, there's, you know, everybody has insecurities to some degree, one degree or another. So like, and, and VPs and these people who are like in fancy positions, they're no exception, you know? So it, it's, it's a good reminder. I feel like that makes it less intimidating if you kind of keep that in the back of your head. And of course, yes, they're going to have better skills than you because they're in those positions for a reason. But if anything, you should use that as a way to learn from them, right? Like, yes, they're smarter. So like, go learn from them, right? Don't try to like one up them. Like, I think that's, I've noticed that like some people take the approach of like, oh, I just got to one up them so that I get, I get to take their place. Like, I mean, yeah, you can try that, but I think, you know, trying to learn from them is going to be a better approach, like actually asking genuine questions that you're interested in learning because nine times out of 10, I feel like they're going to be receptive to that and think that you like, they're going to like that you're reaching out and actively trying to learn. And they'll probably end up helping you out uh, tenfold than trying to just sit there and one up them and be kind of snarky as a, as a new employee in the company. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. there was this one. Uh, there was this one VP that um, there was like it was like a new grad mentorship thing. So there's a group of us, and we were working on this data project. And you know, none of us had done hardly anything in, in querying or anything like that. And so we had a question, and we were like kind of like conceptually discussing about you know, like a way that we could get data or something. And like he like literally just whipped out whipped out. Um, the uh the beaver or whatever you know tool that we were using wrote this query i swear faster than like chat gtp would do it and it was like would have taken us probably like a solid like week to two weeks to like write and refine and just perfection first time and it was just it was crazy to see that um for sure with within the first 
first two weeks or so that we were there. So mm. and, go ahead, Josh. No, so I was going to say, like, I, I think, uh, you know, in the world of social media or just like learning online in general, because like I've been soaking in information through Google, YouTube, different social media platforms for at least a decade now. Like I've learned so much from it, but there's still a lot of resources out there from these like executives, these VPs, these people who've been working in the corporate worlds for like 50, 60 years that just aren't on social media. And they have like so much knowledge like stored in their head that you can kind of soak in. And it's like, it's unique knowledge, right? Cause like, it's not really out there on the internet. Like, like some other stuff is um, like, I, I think that's such an underrated way to kind of learn. Like, of course it's more time intensive, like trying to reach out to different people in the corporate world. Cause like they're busy, but if you can get on one of their good side and actually like soak in and be like a, uh, treat them like a mentor, like you can learn a lot from just the way that they kind of perceive the world because they likely have a unique perspective on all of it. And a lot of, unless they're on social media, like there's really nobody out there that has been communicating or conveying that to the world. So it's, yeah, I, I think like, of course the corporate world gets a lot of hate, but there are a lot of sharp and smart, intelligent people that work in that world that you can learn a lot from if you're strategic with it all. Definitely. Awesome. So, so okay. go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead, Pierce. I just wanted to go back on the question, or I have a question about uh, the relocation program that you're in. If you could touch on that a little bit, I'm curious. You know, going along with a, uh, you know, find, you know, how 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 to interact with people and stuff like that, and relocating. I'm curious how that how how that effect has been on you. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question. Um, so yeah, when I, I don't remember where I read it, it was probably in one of you know some financial news site or some 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 place but i saw this this ad for the tulsa remote program um and it wasn't the first thing that i'd seen about you know cities or places paying people to move there um but when i looked into it it seemed like it was pretty robust right it, it, it was started before the pandemic so it wasn't something that people just threw together to try and get people for remote workers it was it was something that they started in 2019 I, only one year before but still <laughs> still still before um yep. And so I, I looked into it and I, I just decided to apply for it. Um, I kind of made a goal for myself that I was going to move out this past fall anyway. And so I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll just apply for it. And if I want to do it, it'll be an option. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. Um, so I applied for it. It was pretty straightforward. Um, there was a 15 minute interview that they did um, as part of that. And then I was accepted into the program. Um, they. Oh gave me a year to decide if I wanted to move down to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and they had, they have a series of like once a month, they bring people, everyone who's been accepted. Um, you get an invite to come down and visit for like a long weekend and they, they pay for your airfare. They give you a hotel and everything. So I did that over the 4th of July. And, you know, one of the things that I'm still working through right now, for sure, um, is that risk taking at trying new things, right? I've I've realized that in the three years now since I've graduated and just being at home, I've kind of stopped taking risks. Um, I've kind of gotten comfortable with where I'm at and things have been going well enough that I realized I wasn't taking risks and I was just kind of falling into a habit of what I was doing and not really challenging myself. So I figured that moving down here would kind of force me to do a reset, um, regardless of whether or not I want to want to be down here long term. It would force me to do a reset and kind of figure out who I was, you know, be living truly on my own, you know, with no roommate yeah. or no, uh, no family nearby. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, it's been, uh, you know, I've only been here a month and I, uh, or two months now, but basically all of October I've been traveling for work and I'm with, uh, personal travel I'd had planned before. So, um, Is it yeah, incentivized? It's incentivized. Yeah. It is. Yep. Is it like a healthy yep. incentive to get people to come to Oklahoma in Tulsa? Yeah, it's uh, ten grand. So. Okay. Well, yeah, that's definitely a. I mean, uh, the average house out there is is about how much? Do you know? Well, uh, you can buy a new house for under three hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, that's Which a substantial amount. Gotta move to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's amount everything, is, man. Everything is dirt cheap here. It's insane. That's awesome, though. That's cool. So, you know, and so Caleb mentioned a few things, especially within his line of work and what we think about the current state. You know, data is really the new currency. 
you know, that's how I look at it. And that's how a lot of people and businesses look at it, because the, the feelings is one thing. Right. But data gives you more tangible, concrete evidence to to kind of make progress from. So in terms of leveraging and manipulating data to be able to tell a story. Right. And then make data driven decisions. That is, is is great for problem solving, not just for business and career, but also your own personal lives. And you can use data to kind of help you navigate which career path is, is most likely to yield the results that one is looking for, whether it's remote. When we're on LinkedIn, that's that's what LinkedIn does too, right? It, it <laughs> aggregates all this information. So, and, and Caleb, perhaps, you know, not everyone that is tuning in on, on, on this episode knows or understands, you know, for example, what SQL is or what queries mean, right? So can you give us like just like a quick crash course of what SQL is, what queries, how to query uh, data and information and just the benefit of such a skill set? Because some of us could be curious about it, but we just don't know anything about it. So just give us a quick one minute crash course. Definitely. Yeah. So first of all, I knew absolutely nothing about it when I started my job. Everything that I do, I never did in college. So um, that's that's the first thing. Um, but I would describe SQL as um, essentially you can think if you're familiar with Excel, um, you know, when you have an Excel spreadsheet, there's rows and columns of data, right? And you can add filters to it. And so you can change it. If you know a little bit more about Excel, you can add a pivot table and summarize some of the data. And obviously, you can make put fun fonts and colors and do all the type of stuff in Excel too. Um, but what SQL is, is it basically um, enables you to query databases, which are essentially just collections of massive Excel tables that have relationships with each other. Um, and it basically enables you to look at that data, right? And so it doesn't matter. Um, all of that data is not really structured necessarily. It's just sitting out there waiting for you to discover different insights with it. So maybe you have a table that has all of your different sales data. Like maybe you're a, you know, maybe you're a McDonald's, right? And you've got all these different sales transactions. And then you have another table that has all of your food in your inventory that you buy. Well, maybe you can use SQL to join those two tables together and figure out what stuff is selling the most? Have you been buying enough French fries? Have you been buying enough, you know, apples? Probably, probably don't need to buy many apples. People probably aren't buying that at McDonald's. At McDonald's. But um, you know, then you can get even more complex, right? Like maybe you have a rewards program, so you can track customer data, right? You can see, oh, you know, all of our twenty-year-olds are spending. You know, whenever we put out X promotion, they go and buy stuff at the store. So we really should start using TikTok more because it's driving a bunch of sales for twenty-year-olds. Right, so that's that's a very broad simplification, but essentially it enables you to look at data, regardless of what's out there, and kind of discover those insights um, across many different applications. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And uh, Josh is a monster with this stuff too. He's very great at the data stuff, and you know, looking at the information, how his algorithms are playing out, right? How it's adding more value or, you know, tweaking it, finding ways to add more value and experiment. Like you mentioned, some of the trial and error stuff. So I think uh, I'm starting, you start to see a pattern here and and that everything really does connect. Everything does relate and connect. So somebody might be listening and they think, okay, maybe they're in healthcare or maybe they just want to be a teacher or they want to, you know, start their own business. There's a lot of value here that Caleb is providing all of us. And, you know, all these things does connect and is applicable in all industries. So I think having that curiosity, that open-mindedness, right, um, that that continuous learning mentality to kind of absorb information is going to help all of us kind of improve on, on all the things that we're working on. But to, to kind of pivot a little bit here, um, you also did mention, you know, like the mindset shift and, and the importance of, of kind of trying things out. Like you said, you started reading, you dabbled in some of the financial vehicles when it comes to investing with this Acorn, Robinhood and others. Uh, what would you say is the most important lesson you learned early on in your investment career so far? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, don't be afraid to take risks, but make sure you know what you're risking, right? Okay. Like, um, when I one of the first things I discovered was was options trading, right? Ooh. And for those of you who aren't familiar with options trading, it's it's a very powerful tool that enables other people to make lots of money off of people who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, 
And and I definitely did not know what I was doing. But it's um it's deceiving for inexperienced investors, I would say, because there's the opportunity of making a lot of money with not much money at all, right? Like you see the stories about Buffett and he's got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars just in dividends coming in from a, you know, 3% dividend stock. And you're like, well, I can never get that because I don't have a hundred million dollars I can go buy this stock from, right? Um, so, you know, it's easy to to theoretically make money with without investing a lot. Um, which which falls into the trap that many people do with investing of, you know, wanting to do it quickly, um, wanting to not have to spend a lot of time um, on it and not a lot of thinking into it, um, and wanting to make it treat it more like a lottery or, or like it's not a sure thing if you're doing it right, right? Because a lot of, with with options trading, um, essentially the the background on it is that you essentially have a contract that gives you the right to either buy or sell shares at some point in the future at some predetermined price. So, you know, maybe you think that the price of the stock's going to go up $10, right? So it's currently $90, you think it's going to go up $10. So you're going to purchase an options contract at a week from now you want to buy it at $95, right? Cuz if you buy it at $95, you're getting $5 profit on every one of those shares. Um and then the price of that contract then is something that you have to buy and it'll fluctuate based off the stock price. And so in especially in short time periods, those prices fluctuate quite a lot. Um, and so, you know, you can do something like invest $6 and make 500, right? Wild stuff. And, and we saw that play out with, with GameStop and with lots of other things. But, you know, like I said, it, it's it's the absolute highest and most it's just stressing it to the, the the max, right? Like the idea of of risk and reward and being able to accept losses and not sell, not buy. I mean, it forces you to have to sell and buy because there's a time constraint on it. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, I I made some mistakes and, and lost some money doing that, but I am happy I did it because I didn't have much money, relatively speaking, to lose at the time, and so. If I was still doing that and and making those mistakes now, it would be much much more painful. <laughs> so, and you know, it, it was it was there was there's high points, there's low points, um, and it was exciting, but it definitely was not uh, not something I would advise other people trying starting out to go and do. So, no, perfectly said. And a lot of like you were touching on Caleb, a lot of newer investors do kind of want to go that route because they hear that their friend is like making thousands of dollars in like a two hours from options. Like they get, you know, they get interested in the results. So they jump into this complex domain of the stock market. They're like, Hey, I just want to learn how to do these options real quick. So I can make a couple grand to pay my rents. Like, how do I do that? You know, (laughs) of course it's, like everything, it's it's much more complex than that. Of course, like you can make money options trading. That's why like, I, I hate to be the person yes. that's like a strict, like this is how you invest. This is the only way. There's no other way. Like you can make money doing the stock options, Definitely. but it's much more complex than it might look initially. And I, I think the last stat that I read is like 70% of stock options end up expiring worthless. So most of the people making wow. money are the ones writing the contracts, not the ones that are <laughs> buying the contracts. Try- you know, yeah. So if you're gonna do it, try some covered calls. That's the way to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you already own the stocks, and if it if it goes up, then you sell and you get some profit. If it doesn't go up as much you're expecting, then you just pocket the uh, the money that other people gave you for the contract. That's that's the only thing. But you usually have to have a decent amount of money before you can start writing options contracts. So. Definitely. And yeah, yeah, if you're going in to try to try to get rich quick, odds are you, you're treating it like a casino and you're going to get results like a casino. So just keep that in yeah. mind. There you go. Right. Yeah, the last time I was at the casino, my results wasn't good. So. <laughs> You'd be better off sports betting. At least you can celebrate it or be destroyed with your friends at a, at a bar. It's, it's tough. That's huge you don't really have huge. options trading bars. So, yeah. right. <laughs> Well, well, hey, Caleb, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching the uh, the 45 minute mark. So I, I just want to first off, thank you so much for coming on this podcast to be vulnerable, be willing to share the insights into your story and kind of the lessons that you've learned that have gotten you to where you're at. And I know you're still, you know, early in your journey, but it's always interesting just to kind of get your perspective of like how you view money, how you view the stock market and kind of like the the moves that you've made early on in your life. 
Uh, that being said, I do want to ask one kind of final question. I'm kind of curious, like what your end goal uh, is with with investing. Like, what really inspired you to get started investing consistently? I mean, I know now you're like more of a longer term investor, um, so you, you you've adopted a lot of the philosophies of the market hustle. So, like, what really inspired you to first off stick to that plan, and ultimately, like, like what's your what's your end goal? Like, maybe you haven't completely thought it out. Uh, but I'm just curious to get a little bit more insight, like what you hope to accomplish uh, with investing. Yeah, no, thanks for the question. Um, once again, great question. Um, I would say it it really comes down to my family, right? Um, watching my parents and especially my grandparents, you know they they have they have what I want, right? Both my grandma and grandpa are they're both in their 80s. Um, well, grandma's almost in her 80s, um, and they're both healthy. They're both super active in their communities. They've got lots of friends. They're happy. They, um, my grandpa actually still works. He mows at the golf course because he just loves it so much. <laughs> um, he's, he's had two hip replacements. He's still mowing at the golf course. It's, 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 uh, it's a little crazy. Also amazing. Um, um, but yeah, and and importantly, they also share their experiences with others right so um they took our family on a cruise right and it was super great to just have all of our family on this cruise and on this vacation and all be together and they were able to do that because they they made choices and sacrifices on their financial journey right my my grandpa he was a teacher worked a lot of different odd jobs um you know he, he he talks all the time about how you know barely were making anything just him working going to college trying to study you know being a teacher um and just all of the the things that they were able to accomplish e- even with coming from a background that was pretty poor um and then just how they could live their life so ultimately investing for me is not just about money it's about investing with who you are as a person. It's about investing in your family. It's about investing in your community. And and I want to, that's what I want to have when I'm at that age. Now, perfectly said. Yeah, it, there's, there's nothing else to even add to that. Like, <laughs> period. That, that, that's, that, that sums up purpose, contribution, legacy, long-term oriented, giving back, enjoying life, quality family time, just everything fully summed up. And that's, that's really beautiful to kind of see your grandparents be able to implement that in the family structure and then you'll be able to witness and emulate some of those things is, is, is exciting. That's nice. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for you and your family as well. This is exciting talk. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And it's always good to have like a clear definition or just a, a clear understanding of like why you're getting started to begin with. And I, I think we've touched on this in a couple of the previous episodes. Like if you don't actually understand why you're starting this journey to begin with, like the minute something starts to go south or uh, the minute a stock market crash occurs, it's going to be very difficult for you to continue on with your investment plan without having a strong image to why you're doing it all, right? Like why are you making the sacrifices of investing 10% of your income, 20% of your income? Like why are you doing that? Like if you don't have a clear image to why you're doing that, it's going to be very difficult to to stick with it. So, it, Caleb, it sounds like you have a pretty clear image, especially since you have positive role models in your life. Like you have your grandparents to look on, and they're actually living that life that you you hope to live one day, where you can kind of give back to your community, to your family. And to me, that's that's an admirable goal to have, especially when it comes to the investing world. Yeah, well, and you know, the uh, the other thing I want to add on to that too is that just because you don't know that doesn't mean that you can't make progress, right? Like. To be honest, I, I I still don't know what I want to do for my career, right? I, I'm still figuring stuff out. Like I've had some success, and I, I I but like since I had the habit of of having a budget and investing, even if I don't really know what I want to do, like I'm considering grad school right now. I'm considering do I want to try and you know maybe pursue a house? Do I want to do a career shift? Like I don't really know, but I have savings now, and it's there for me if I want to use it because of the different things I was working on. So you can make mistakes. You can do all of that stuff. But if you have a habit behind you, you have something to fall back on. And and maybe you don't know what it's going to be for now. Like, you know, my retirement account, I don't really know what my retirement is going to look like at this point. Maybe I'm going to work till I'm 80. Maybe I'll be like my grandpa, right? 
but like it's there if I need it. Um, and so you don't have to have everything figured out. You just have to get started, um, be focused and work hard. Very well said, man. Yeah. Beautifully said. And yeah, Pierce, do you have any closing thoughts? I mean, that, that was perfectly. Nothing I can add on to that. I mean, I'm just kind of consuming what he's saying right now and just, you know, thinking about it. It's, It's definitely an interesting thing to, to relate to, you know, I can't personally relate to it, but it's, it is, I, I know a lot of people can, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. Yeah, sure. I, I've got 10, I've got 10 points. Cause I was anticipating a question of advice for your future self. So I've got 10 points to close this out. If we want to love it. Love yeah. it. <laughs> so the first one invest is more than just about money. It's about who you want to be. Right. Yeah. Already touched on that. Um, having a dynamic budget is very powerful, right? So many times people get locked into having a fixed budget, but life changes and your budget should adjust for any life changes that happen. You're not going to always be in the same spot. Um, you just need to get started, right? We touched on that. Um, we didn't really get touch on this, but inflation is a constant nemesis, kind of the opposite of compound interest. You could also put debt in there too. Right. So if you're even not doing anything, you're, you're still technically falling behind. Right. You, you got to always keep moving forward. Um, understand and account for risk. Um, oftentimes people don't fully understand the risk that's going on, especially when starting a family with life insurance and things like that. So understand and accounting for risk. Um, number six, keep iterating, create and shorten your feedback loop. You know, having someone who can hold you accountable and yeah. Constantly reevaluating where you are against your goals is super powerful. Um, number seven, learn to listen. Super, super great. Um, and then number eight is lean into any uncomfortable feeling, right? Like oftentimes when you're contemplating doing something, if it makes it uncomfortable, like that's the, that's the decision you need to do, right? It was, it was uncomfortable for me thinking about moving down to Tulsa and being away from my family and, and all that stuff, but I need to do that, right? I need to just get out and discover who I am and, and figure out what's next. Um, number nine, you are a reflection of what you spend your time on, right? Just spending your time on things is it shapes you, you know, how you spend your time in your environment shapes who you become. And then number 10, you don't need to be the best. You just need to focus and work hard. I love them. Awesome, man. No, those are take those to heart. Whoever's listening, make sure you write those down, take those to heart. Cause those very wise advice right there. Uh, Caleb, it's been an honor to have you on this podcast. It's been an honor for you to come on here, share your story, be vulnerable. Thank you so much again for coming on here. Um, Bafi, do you have any closing thoughts before we kind of wrap things up? No, I think this is, uh, we've kind of come full circle here and, you know, we've taken, Caleb has taken us through, uh, his entire journey and w- we can all pick and learn something from from his experience and it's, it's just a beautiful thing and i'm just glad that number one we're all here providing this much value to lives globally and number two this is something that so many people 10 years ago had no access to right no access to this information at their fingertips and social media and being able to go on a podcast whether it's through spotify or your youtube or, or your Instagram. So I think everything that's happening right now, we are at the right place at the right time with the right skills, with the right message, and we're finding the right people that need to hear it. So Caleb, we can't thank you enough for, for spending one hour of your lifetime with us. And this is an hour that you don't get back. So we, we cherish it and value everything that you shared with us today. Oh, thank thanks you. for having me. And thanks for all the work that you guys do. I, I love, uh, Love following the, the podcast launch and the social media site too. Awesome. Appreciate it. Well, that's that's a wrap for episode five. Thank you again, Caleb, for coming on. Pierce, Boffy, thank you for being on here to be the co-host. And we have the full team here today, which is awesome. Cool. Always love that. And I look forward to bringing many, many more of these. We have uh, still have a few guests lined up for the rest of November. And then we probably will be taking a break in December just to kind of reset, reanalyze, and we'll come back in January of 2024 with a new season 
and a new approach. So we're really looking, really, really looking forward to all this. Thank you so much for being a valuable listener to the Market Hustle podcast. We can't wait to grow with you and we can't wait to see you grow and see more guests who are listening to this come on this podcast and share their story. That being said, everybody have a wonderful rest of your nights and I hope everybody has a great week and month and rest of your year. Goodbye. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> if you feel just like I do, link up, come and join this crew. Hey, I'ma go invest and I'ma watch my money double, take it to another level with that market hustle. Always play it smart, you ain't dealing with a sucker. Take it to another level with that market hustle. I'ma hustle, hustle with that market hustle. I'ma hustle, hustle with that market hustle. I'ma hustle, hustle. With that market hustle, I'm a hustle, hustle, with that market hustle, go!